This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and I'm Lynn Trafford presenting Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air on behalf of the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, T.R. Parangi. This program is your opportunity to meet practicing and recently retired scientists from around the Bay. With me in the studio today is George Nelson, an economics and corporate finance analyst, a bit of a diversion from my usual Hawke's Bay Scientists on Air guests. George Nelson has aspirations to work in the global economic and finance markets and to be based to do so in Japan. He is but part way along the path to achieving his goal, and it is the pathway thus far and the pathway into the future that caught my eye as an interview subject. To achieve his goals, George Nelson needed to be fluent in Japanese and Mandarin, not just speaking the language, not just speaking the languages, but mastering the writing and understanding, the background culture that these languages are built upon. A heady undertaking for a young man, still a student. George Nelson is about to head back to Japan to complete a Master's in Business Administration at the Waseda Graduate Business School in Tokyo. I managed an interview prior to his leaving. Hello, George. Hi, Lynn. It's lovely to have you with us in the studio today. What I really like about Hawke's Bay Scientists On Air is being able to tell the listeners that my guest is a local boy. You are, aren't you? Indeed, indeed. No, thank you for having me today. Um, I am. I was born and bred in Hawke's Bay. Um, attended a few great schools here too. Where did um, you go to school, George? Um, started off my schooling at Temata Primary, um, moved on to Heroworth and then on to Lindisfarne, um, quite a, quite a classic, uh, progression. Um, it is, th- that, isn't it? Yeah, which, which did me well, I have to say. You told me off air that at Linda, at, you told me off air that at Heroworth you learnt to study. <laughs> what did you mean by learnt to study? Indeed, um. I learned both to study and actually to enjoy studying, um, which is quite rare, um, but it's definitely done me well um, to actually kind of get into um, the practice of studying, you know, and and enjoy it as, uh, I don't know, sort of something that builds you towards the future and builds you into uh, success in your exams and whatnot. But they, yeah, in year seven, my teacher, Mr. McCorkle, sort of, had us thinking about study schedules and, you know, how much time we were going to allocate to different subjects. And for lots of people at Year 7, that was pretty full on. Um, And people could look across the fence and think that we were really, I don't know, sort of drilling hard academically. But in the end, uh, yeah, that that got me into it. It got the fire, fire burning. 
It did you well at Lindisfarne as well, didn't it? Indeed, indeed. In fact, I got to Lindisfarne in year nine and I already was really good at studying. And, and as I say, you know, I'm kind of a rare case that I actually quite liked studying. So then um, when I got in year nine, I was just, you know, slamming those exams, just just loving it. But um, so, yeah, I feel priv- I feel lucky to have had that training, but also, I don't know, lucky that I'm... I wouldn't call myself nerdy per se, but I'm nerdy enough to, like, you know, get a kick out of studying. So that's not nerdy. <laughs> that I think that's really, really interesting, and you're you're balanced enough in your learning to come out of that with a big tick. I think you finish at Lindisfarne, and off you go to Victoria. Why did you choose to go to Victoria? You had other choices. Why pick that one? Indeed. Um, I left high school, uh, I thought I'm going to go study business, I was also into design, um, but I thought, you know, my money making arm will be sort of more economic and design I'll do in my spare time. Um, Wellington seemed to offer a nice package really, you know, it's a cool city, there's more than just the university, I wasn't quite gung-ho enough to hit Dunedin, um, and Auckland was a little bit too uh, kind of big and businessy and not quite studenty. Um, so Wellington sort of hit the hit the centre of it all. Um, and my favourite city in the whole of New Zealand mm. as well. So I understand why Wellington was a sexy sell for a young George. In your first year down there, something very unusual happened. What happened to you in your first year? That's right. Yeah, no, I had quite a turning point um, because... I was chosen by the by the Victoria Business School um, for my. They sort of chose a few students and interviewed uh, interviewed us um, for an opportunity to represent Victoria and New Zealand. Um, actually, at the Apex CEO Summit, uh, which was being hosted in in Bali, Indonesia, that year. So that was in 2012, I think. What was um, special about going there? Um, that was the eye-opening uh, point where I was suddenly in this uh, international environment listening to um, prime ministers and uh, presidents and uh, people doing business across the region. Uh, and I thought, wow, um, this, is, this is exciting. This is where I want to be. And not just in an international sense, but also an Asia-Pacific sense, I thought, wow, this is the area that's relevant to New Zealand uh this is our uh these are our neighbors and it's super fun to do cool you know exciting stuff um together so i thought this is the world that uh, i want to dive into so that was your first year of your bcom something else really exciting happened to you in your third year where did you go for your third year that's right so the sort of almost the progression and it was actually while i was in uh, at the conference i sort of thought you know what, I'm going to go study overseas um, and if I'm going to be, if I'm going to dive into Asia, let's go head first. Uh, I thought I'm going to go to Tokyo, go study over there. Um, I thought Japan seems pretty exciting, didn't know much about it, didn't speak the language, never studied it. Um, it wasn't specifically even that interested in it before then, but I thought, wow, Tokyo, that'll be cool. Um, so I sort of signed up, did all the things to uh, to basically spend my third year of my degree uh, yeah, studying economics and international business over over in Tokyo. All right. Where did you go? Um, I went to, yeah, university, Waseda University. Um, happens to be the same university I will head to in about three weeks, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, and, yeah, it was, it, was, it was the year of my life. Um, Tell me about heading off over there and not speaking Japanese 
And when it was the turn on point, if you like, during that year, when you realized that Japanese was going to be important, mm, how did that happen? Yeah, it was, I mean, as far as foreign countries go, certainly Japan, and it's known for it, you know, it's, uh, they don't speak a lot of English or really to, to really be in the country, you know, the Japanese is key. So when I first got there, I was sort of fluffing, you know, so excited, wide eyed, um, and realized that my very, um, very fractured Japanese, uh, was, you know, I needed to push, push on, but, um, after the initial kind of glamour wore off, it got pretty hard there. And, uh, you know, a lot of cultural uh, barriers and uh, hard things to fit into. Um, and I lost a bit of faith. I wanted to come home, all of this. I had to go find myself, um, manage to, um, I don't know, find some conf- find my confidence, find my feet. Uh, and then with that, uh, the language kind of clicked. This was about six months in. Obviously not full click, you know, I wasn't fluent or anything, but I was suddenly could hold my own. Uh, and from there, uh, you know, life changed again. Uh, and I started to really, uh, you know, enjoy and get deep into it. That's when one understands that the language is just the top end of it. Mm. You have to learn what sits behind and below the language mm. to understand where the language is going to help you. Did you get a chance to immerse yourself in that culture or was it in that third year just coming to grips with the language and the rest of it following on later? Mm. How did it work? Yeah, it's... it's uh it's hard to diagnose looking back. I guess, um, obviously, you're sort of understanding, picking up on cultural cues sort of the whole way along, some sort of almost um, subconsciously. Um, one thing that I did get, uh, and you know, that was actually quite fundamental because, of course, you're sort of in classrooms and you're learning new language and whatnot, and that's cool, but the real uh, understanding of how it's used and the nuances and whatnot is often out in the real world, right? And I'm a big believer, um, as much as I was talking about how I love studying, you know, I'm actually quite a big believer in sort of learning from the world around you and that a lot of actual learnings, uh, you know, really comes outside of the classroom. Um, and on that note with, with language, um, I actually, uh, we didn't t- talk about this the other day, but um, I've, I started modeling when I was in Tokyo and when I did that, I was suddenly get all these modeling shoots and I was the photographer and the, the hair and makeup people and everyone was talking. I had to talk to them in Japanese and that was actually probably one of my big areas that I learned the real uh, way to talk uh, because then you're suddenly forced into... Um, actual conversation actual everyday practical, conversational yeah, japanese yeah, yeah and i loved it as well because you know i'd go to this shoot and then i'd talk to the hair and makeup girl and you know usually she's pretty cute because she's a hair and makeup girl and i would be like hi i'm george i'm from new zealand la, la, la. so um that was great you know great great learning learning time okay so you finished that year in japan what happens to you at the end of that academic year um so from there, uh, I uh, I spent the following year closing up my BCom studies, um, and I also, yeah, while I was in Japan, I realised that uh, I needed to sort of 
as much as I dove into my Japanese language and, and that area, I also was coming back and I needed to look towards um, graduation, employment and whatnot. So I started, uh, I applied and, and successfully um, sort of got a part-time role at a corporate finance and economic uh, consultancy firm uh, called TDB Advisory. Uh, so I started working there and I, clo- and, I, and I completed my final year of my BCom. All right. Let's talk about working for this company because it's not a large corporate body, is it? It's quite a small business based in Wellington doing some quite specific research. That's right. So, uh, so yeah, TDB Advisory, Corporate Finance and Economics, um, we do similar stuff to, um, you know, the big four consultancy firms uh, uh, some of the time, but also... Uh, um, very client specific very quite often quite niche clients and they come to us because um yeah we're sort of it's quite specific and not template based um and you know we have a good team of of strong analysts and directors who um sort of bite off the challenges and apply um ourselves uh and a whole range of um sort of research and problem-solving type uh, work. You were to work with this company for five years full part-time, round about that period of time. During that time, did it consolidate for you that what you actually wanted to achieve with your corporate life was, was the best thing for George? Did that consolidate it for you? That's an interesting question. Um, I certainly think I have spent uh, a bit of time soul searching a little you know thinking trying to figure out whether it was the true me or not um i think uh overall it probably did uh there were times where maybe i thought uh that corporate finance economics is pretty boring and that i'd uh rather do other things but ultimately realized that uh perhaps yeah it has set me on the right path. The other thing I'd probably think is even I'm not too big a fan of sort of trying to entrench in, in one industry or that sort of thing. I'm more, uh, think that learning skill building and learning how to apply yourself and apply your brain to different problems. It's quite, um, universal skills that, means that just because I'm doing economic consulting at the moment, uh, it actually sort of sets me up for doing anything else uh, in the future. Um, and you don't know. brain muscle. You don't know, do you? No. Setting off to Japan as you are about to do, you don't know what's going to happen to you when you get there and you immerse yourself in your study. That's and at right. some stage you're going to have to write a dissertation. So right. you've got to come to grips with all of that. And it may be when I'm interviewing you in five years' time that it's quite a different interview, huh, George? That's right, that's right. <laughs> Very um, well could be. Let's talk for just a minute about some of the research that, that you have had the opportunity to have a go at anyway because sure. these things are good grounding for future research what's going to happen to you when you get to japan you're going to have to immerse yourself in further research so one of the things that i really liked one of the reports that you were working on is called the gaming machine 
Association, uh, the Gaming Machine Association of New Zealand, a national well-being analysis for this organisation. What mm-hmm. do we mean? Or what did you mean by a well-being analysis? Indeed. So no, this is an interesting piece of work, and um, will and certainly topical and and somewhat controversial. Um, basically, the Gaming Machine Association is the um, industry body that represents the Class 4 Pokies Trusts, and they commissioned us to undertake a national well-being uh, analysis which looks at the net, or sort of, uh, yeah, the, both the gross and the net well-being impacts of uh, gambling that occurs in New Zealand. So what that with the way that we measure that is through um, sort of nas- through costs and benefits. Um, so you could say, in simple terms, you know, um, anything has costs and benefit. This is classic economics. Um, you can look at how big the how big the benefits are, how big the costs are, and look at the net and sort of. Uh, Although, actually, in this case, you can, yeah, you only sort of understand the net if you can quantify everything. It's, yeah, there's quite a, there's a bit to it, but it's looking at the overall uh, impacts, if you will, uh, of, of, of a policy or an activity. And it was not just pokies. You mentioned pokies, but I'm just going to elaborate here. Pokies is one thing. Lotto, casinos, the TAB horses, dogs, all of that was sort of lumped together, if that's a good scientific term, George, lumped together in this analysis. So one tends to hear on the radio the cost, if you like, particularly the cost to the person as opposed to the cost to the economy in its broader sense as opposed to the benefits did you enjoy finding out the costs and the benefits of this industry that's right um absolutely and it that was sort of the um that was the the genesis of the report was really that a lot of people uh, a lot of people like to focus on on look think in silos, right? Focus on one area. Um, so it would be you could write a report about the costs of of gambling. The other one that's key is um, you know the cost of problem gamblers, um, which are you know substantial, um, and that gets a lot of focus. Uh, then, but if you step back as well, you know you can't look at just the costs. Um, you have to look at benefits too, and you know make decisions based on both of them so it was fascinating we've got some and also for the economics fans out there um to calculate uh the these different things we basically used really orthodox economics we reconstructed um well we constructed um a supply and demand curve for for gambling in aggregate um and you can't really look at it only in one area because of the substitution effect again for the economists um but yeah, so we made a we made a uh, supply and demand curve. We calculated the consumer producer surplus. We did some quite cool economics um, and and orthodox and and rigorous and that we stand by. Um, so no, it was it was a fascinating challenge um, and some pretty big problem solving stuff going on there uh, in in a very big industry um, here in New Zealand. Another big industry you did some work for that I quite like this one as well. I enjoyed reading about the problem gambling, but this one as well, the electricity lines business. Mm. 
it, people talk about this a lot in New Zealand at the moment because the electricity market per se is changing, is it not? That's right. So um, we've done, we do quite a lot of work in the electricity industry uh, and this particular case was um, sort of doing a strategic scan of opportunities for a particular um, lines business uh, in the electricity industry going forward. Um, and it is a very, very, um, well, exciting time really um, to be in electricity, although quite um, daunting um, given the, the change that's happening with uh, electric vehicles and electrification in general, the you know net carbon zero goals, 20 50, you know, we've got a big change happening to a lot of the way we do stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a fascinating industry and there's a lot to it, a lot of exciting technology. Um, but there will also be, you know, big challenges. Uh, Are we ready for this, George, do you think? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. perhaps an unfair yeah. <laughs> question yeah. for someone as young as you are. But, no, but you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I, maybe it depends on... Uh, yeah, some some areas will be ready. Some will be. Some are more progressive than others. Some and and yeah, same thing with consumers. Some households may be ready. Maybe maybe you know ready to adopt. Um, others, you know, wonder why they can't use their gas hob anymore. Or, right. <laughs> that could be me, George, wondering <laughs> exactly that point. So. Anyway, here we are, nearly at the end of twenty twenty one, and you're about to go to Japan to continue learning in a face-to-face way because you've been learning online this year, not being able to get to Japan. Are you excited to be going back? I am extremely excited. Why? Um, This is what I'm about. Well, as as you mentioned, Lynn, I'm already sort of studying online, which is slightly frustrating. Um, Obviously, I'm keen to get back on ground. Um, My Japanese classes aren't quite as fun over Zoom. But... um, but no, this is really the culmination of uh, what I've been putting together over the last few years. Um, I finally, I'll get to Japan to study an MBA over there. Um, allows me to combine both my business experience uh, and my sort of what I've built up uh, skills-wise in my career with uh, those early goals, this sort of international pursuit uh and that will give me the platform um, to to kind of um, shoot shoot for the skies from there. Um, One of the things that I like about your rounding your education, George, is the fact that in learning Japanese, you've also learned to write poetry in Japanese. Do you write poetry in Mandarin as well, or is it just Japanese? I don't mean just, but I mean, you know, have you concentrated on Japanese? Indeed. Um, yeah, the poetry thing seen an interesting one. I sort of, when I was first living in Japan, uh, I got was bored in one of my classes, so I decided that I was going to write a haiku, and I was like, well, this is quite poetic. And I continued um, writing haiku since then, and I've, um, in my sort of spare time, I've um, published a few books and, and really dove in. Um, I, I did also, when I was learning Mandarin, I did write uh, poetry in, in Mandarin, um, too. I, I followed a similar 575 structure, um, although I never quite... It never quite uh, hit home as much, and I think that's because the haiku format, it's a Japanese form of poetry, um, and it works better in their language than other languages, um, 
but certainly that's a, a kind of lateral way that I like to use my brain and enjoy. What, what about, uh, have you got any plans to delve deeper into the Japanese culture per se? Um, Other than poetry and continuing to learn the language, certain absolutely uh, one of the one of the areas uh, that I am really excited about is over the last few years living in New Zealand, um, I had to learn how to actually look after myself and um, and do do uh, real life here, um, and I've gotten really into cooking, uh, making Japanese cooking, so I'm excited for the culinary uh, sort of expansion over there. Um, I also, yeah, maybe I'll get back, get into martial arts or something. I'm, I, I'm certainly want to take a sort of sponge approach to uh, getting back there. Sounds perfect to me, George. Everything. A sponge approach. I'll remember <laughs> that you said that. Thank you, George Nelson, student at the Waseda Graduate Business School in Tokyo. Thank you for being my guest on Hawkspace Scientists on Air. There is a wonderful website for listeners to visit pertaining to Waseda Business School, Japan's number one business school located right in the heart of Tokyo. Waseda has 6,000 plus alumni around the world and prides itself on its academic achievements. Do have a look. To find out more about the program of lectures offered by the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society, just hit Google. Please join me every Monday morning at 9.30 to meet another interesting scientist from around the Bay. I'm Lynn Trafford. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.